It's ticking. You can hear it. This show is for not just the sex addict, not just the person caught in an affair, not just the person who loves those people. It may be for the person who's in denial. I urge you, burn this message to CDs. Give it to those who are hurting. Give it to someone who is bleeding from the pain of an affair or catching their spouse their compulsive sexual porn habit. You can defuse the bomb. You can stop the ticking. You can change the future. Hello and welcome to Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Russ Shaw. How you doing? It is uh, St. Patrick's Day as I'm recording this. It's March. Springtime, at least up here in Seattle, Washington, USA, North America. Time for a new life beginning. Hope you uh, take that attitude towards uh, conquering this thing. I want you guys to know how cool it is to not live in fear of my own behavior anymore. You know, that used to be me. I used to, you know, what am I going to do next as far as my porn addiction was concerned and how often and what kind of thoughts were going to run through my brain and the battles I had to fight getting out of this and I, you know I just want you guys to know that being where I'm at now it's just awesome and I, and I hope you guys get to this point where you're not constantly tearing down these thoughts and, and uh, being confined by this being tormented by these kind of fantasies, if you will, that pop into your brain and these images and and looking at women and it, I remember springtime being uh, especially kind of tough just because of what women would start wearing now, you know, uh, weather's getting a little warmer and there you know, some girls out there who put themselves on display, whether they're trying to get attention or whatever. I remember really struggling with that, and I want you guys to know that, that there is freedom from that to a certain extent. I, you know, I still battle some of that, but it's not like it was before. It's not like it takes me to places like it did in the past. It, it doesn't drag me back to the computer screen where, you know, I'm alone again, and here we go. You know, I'm not at that point anymore, and I'm, I'm just. I want you guys to experience that because it is. It is. It really is great. It's awesome. It's being full of life. It's not having an anxiety attack when my wife looks at the computer. You know, go through the history file, hoping I covered my tracks correctly. You know, I don't do that anymore. Like the book Every Man's Battle talks about not being, uh, not drinking in those private eyefuls, not being controlled by that, but making it an act of worship to bounce your eyes when you see someone who is uh, putting themselves on display, so to speak, or or maybe they're not. Maybe they're an attractive person, and there's nothing wrong with looking at an attractive person, but if the causing you to have sexual thoughts or causing you to fantasize or put something away for later for your uh, theater in your mind, then, you know, bounce your eyes and, and do that as an act of worship. Do it as an act of honoring your wife. You know, making that a habit. I still battle some of that because I think as guys we're visual creatures and and sometimes we have to still bounce our eyes. I still do that. I still... Uh, Stuff catches my eye, or I was watching a movie with my wife, and a sex scene came on, and I got up and, you know, left the room, went to get a glass of water, went to the bathroom, and came back when it was over. Watching TV, if there's a sexual imagery on commercials, you know, you're driving around in your car, you see a billboard, you're reading the newspaper, um, just bouncing, not soaking in those images and and taking that private big drink full of, uh, of lust, if you will, shot of lust, just bouncing your eyes off it, pushing it away in your mind. I don't battle with that stuff as much as I used to. It's not where it controls me anymore. I, I'm not 
I'm not a slave to my behavior. And I want you folks, you guys, if you're struggling with this, to know that it is uh, there is freedom in that. Now, in this show, from time to time, I may uh, address ladies because most of my listeners are men. I know there are female listeners out there. But uh, if I say that, you know, I'm referring to your husband as well. It can be a little different game with a woman than a man. Um, Celia was not a sex addict. She, uh, you know, had an affair with, with someone she knew, a prior relationship. But it was still the offense and the, and the amount of pain that James was inflicted with when he found out about it. You know, this person that he loves, you know, she cheats on him. And, and what he went through is very real. What my wife went through was very real. But you're hearing what I just said to uh, to other addicts out there, and I want you to know that that's part of the process. When they tell you they're not going to look at porn anymore, and then they go back to it, the reason why is because there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the main ones is that this addiction is uh, it t- it's a process to get over it. It's going to take time. I think that instead of forcing someone just saying, you better not ever look at porn again, you know, I think that the thing is that you have to get them to commit to the process. Because I was at the point where, you know, I could tell my wife I'm never going to look at this stuff again. But I knew that I went back to it. And I'm going to talk about some emails that I got from a lot of folks. And a lot of folks are challenging me on a lot of stuff. And I appreciate that. I love that. I ask you to do that. If, if stuff I'm saying doesn't make sense, then, then email me. Because that's the only way we learn. Uh, don't, sit, don't sit there and think that I'm some guru sitting on you know something and think that I know all about everything. I'm not a counselor. This show is for entertainment purposes. Uh, you know, it's not. I'm not a. I've, I've read a lot of books on psychology. I fought this battle myself. So, question what I what I say. Do that. When you sit there and you you might it might even be a a self-inflicting type of thing to sit there and say, well, Russ says this, and who am I to question Russ? Because he's actually conquered this thing. And, you know, that might be a, come from a past relationship with a teacher or a, a parent saying, you know, who are you to question me? You don't take that attitude with me. The reason I healed from this is because I questioned the Bible, I questioned my pastors, I questioned God, I said, if the Christus Christian thing really is true, if John 10.10 really is true, then, uh, then why am I addicted to porn? Then why is society so sexualized and, and making sex look like a, a whole lot of fun? The illicit relationships, the one night stands, the pornography, why does a society... Accept that promiscuous uh, sexual lifestyle. Why does that seem to be okay with the culture? Seem to keep getting the message that I need an orgasm. It's been two weeks. I haven't come yet, and I need to. I need to have an orgasm because my uh, sexual gas tank is getting low. We argue about this with our spouse. If we're men, usually, for most women who are married to the guys who may be addicted to porn or addicted to sex, need that emotional uh, heart connection. It becomes erotic when you have that emotional heart connection for a woman. When they have that relationship, they are sexually turned on by relationship. And we are too, guys. But you have to get to that point because we have so much of our culture telling us that that's not it. We just need to come. We just need to have an orgasm. If I haven't come today, I'm missing out on something. You know, that seems to be the message that culture keeps telling us. And I'm here to tell you that that's false. What does that mean? Now, I really struggled with that because I I didn't buy that when I first heard it. My counselor would tell me this. He would say, you know, you you feel like you have the sexual gas tank for us, right? And I said, yeah. And he says, here's your gas tank. And he says, it's up here. It's full to the top, you know, right after you've had a great sexual experience with your wife. Uh, Maybe if you looked at porn, maybe the the gas tank is maybe in the middle, you know. It's it's like half full 
or whatever, and you feel like you've had that release, or you masturbate, you know, and you've had that release, and your, your sexual gas tank's kind of like that, huh? huh? And then maybe a week or two weeks goes by, or five days, and and your gas tank's on empty, right? You need that release. You need that orgasm. You need to come, right, Russ, right? And I'd say, yeah. And he said, Russ, there is no gas tank. It's all in your head. It's all in your mind. And I really fought that for a long time. And I think that my, from what I've researched on my own about that, some of, it, some of it is true that there really is a chemical addiction to pornography and sex addiction that is running through your veins. It's running through your, your hormones. It's called, for men, it's testosterone. For women, it's estrogen. And it's uh, dopamine is the big one. When you have that release, you are having those chemicals are running through your mind. It's that charge you feel. It's the addiction charge. Um, some people get this from gambling. Some people get it from shopping. Uh, whatever. Pick your poison. That dopamine that, that enters your system, we can choose what our dopamine is, is going to be excited by. Um, a healthy charge dose of dopamine is maybe, you know, you have a connection with your wife, you have a, a great sexual experience with your wife that has been done out of a relationship, working on that relationship for a period of time and saving that orgasm, saving that release for that time, not wasting it, looking at it as a fruit a fruit of you coming together and having your relationship working right and you pick that fruit and you eat it and that is the dopamine, that is the wow, this is awesome, that was a great sexual experience. Because for us sex addicts, you know, we'll, we'll have the empty relationship or we'll use porn and it's kind of like the fruit is getting to, it's green, you know, it's not ripe yet. This kind of fruit gets better as it gets bigger, and the longer you wait and save it, the better that sexual experience is going to be. That is true. But it took me a while to come to realization of that for myself, because I didn't believe it. It was just something I rejected. I thought that this is how I've lived my whole life. Ever since I had my first orgasm, I've needed to have one every week, every two weeks. This is a pattern I've built. This is how I am. And, you know, he's saying that that's not true. And this goes back to the Bible. And looking at the Bible is not a big book of rules and God trying to spoil your fun and, and you know, destroy everything that you think is cool and fun. No. There's a better way of doing things. It, it works better. That's more fulfilling. That'll make you a more joyous spirit. I don't want to say a happier person because happiness is short-term, I believe masturbating to porn and thinking that you're filling up your sexual gas tank halfway is is not fulfilling may make you happy for the short term while you're doing it while you're in the act of it yeah you're you're happy you know, hey, this is pretty cool you know you, you like it your flesh loves it and those dopamine that that those chemicals start running through your mind but the truth is the battle with the flesh, the battle with that uh, red lizard, a lot of it is chemical, the chemicals running through your mind, and you have to change the pattern. And it takes work, man, it's going to take work. Um, psychologists say it takes three to five years, maybe, to change those patterns. Now, I, I think I did it faster, I think I did it in about two years. Really breaking the pattern. I said I, uh, my last failure, my last system failure, was in October. This is porn speaking. Was in October of 2004. My last system failure, as far as masturbation was concerned, was in September. Uh, I believe in 05. I'm not sure exact date on that. I didn't write it down. I was still. You know, looking at masturbation even back then as something that is okay as long as I'm thinking about my wife. But it's not. Because I'm not 
having my sexual release with my wife. I want to be able to save that. I want to be able to have the self-discipline to save my orgasm for when I come together with my wife. I'm going to hit you across the head with a Bible because it's this uh, big book of rules that is trying to take something from you. It's trying to give something to you and get you to realize that you need to give in order to receive. I talk about life as being an adventure. And uh, in an adventure, in any movie, there's a, usually a purpose. You have to find your purpose, take on your adventure, and let me tell you something, there's going to be pain involved. There's going to be pain involved in that. But it's the kind of pain you choose, because there's going to be pain either way. There's the pain you get from going to the gym and working out and stretching your muscles and doing things you don't want to do, like getting on the treadmill for a half an hour. And then there's the pain of not doing it. The pain of having a heart attack. The pain of not being active, not being able to do the things you'd like to do. Two kinds of pain, folks. One leads to life and one leads to death. I think you're going to have about the same amount of pain either way. But, let me tell you, the pain from growing and stretching and reaching and taking this thing on and picking up that heavy, heavy sword and fighting this thing is a lot more rewarding and it's a lot more fun. You're saying pain is fun, Russ? Well, you know, it depends on how you look at it. What kind of an attitude are you going to take towards it? This show is called Attitudes of Sexual Integrity because it took me attitudes. I had to have an attitude change in how I looked at things in order to heal. I had to take my self-defeatist negative attitude towards stuff and, and re- recognize it and find out where that was coming from. And that is not the, the part of me that is, is life. It's coming from the uh, bad dog side of me. Because an attitude is it has a kind of a spirit to it, has emotion attached to it. Changing your attitude can be another act of worship, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But the holiness in you, the white dog in the, in the uh, Indian story, the dog of light, uh, gets very angry with the dark dog because... He's uh, he's holy. Uh, holiness does not tolerate evil. And we have to fight that battle as well. We have to understand where our own self-hatred can come from and use that to change. Don't use it to beat yourself up because that is just the, the bad dog winning. When we start beating ourselves up, when we start saying we are our sin... Single people, stick with me. This is not just a show for couples, even though I talked about the uh, offender and the offendee. Uh, you may be a parent of a teen who's struggling with porn addiction, and I want you to hear what I have to say here. I want you single folks to hear what I have to say. reason being is because I hear a lot of ticking out there. I hear a lot of bombs ticking. I'm getting emails from folks in this battle, and they have a bomb ticking. My bomb went off four times just because I offended my wife once. Uh, each time the bomb went off, it got closer to death for my relationship. And frankly, for me, physically, because I started to feel like, uh, you know, if I just kill myself, it's going to be a lot less pain than me hurting my family over and over again. And that's just, don't take that attitude, man. That is the black dog. That is the devil trying to take you down. He's trying to get you to perform the ultimate task in his winning the battle on you. And I've heard that from folks. I've heard that from a few listeners that felt like I have, where you just feel like, you know, uh, there'd be a lot less pain for those that I love if I just offed myself because I can't seem to do anything right anyway. That's the self-defeatist attitude. And that is the bomb going off for the final last time. 
God made you and He put you here for a reason. And I want you to understand that. That's part of your purpose. The part, the reason you're going through this thing is uh, it has a purpose to it. It really does. You are an incredible, beautiful person in your soul. You who's beating yourself up. You don't understand that yet because you haven't asked the right questions. You're not taking the right attitude towards overcoming. In the case of infidelity, you have no idea what kind of pain you are causing your spouse. You can't, I mean, you can understand some of the pain, but you can't fathom how much you have made a huge uh, dent in your marriage. You can't fathom that. And don't try and defend yourself when they go off on you. They may explode on you. And they may say very, very hurtful things in their anger. Jesus says, be angry but do not sin. Um, People dealing with this, like James said and my wife said, "I'm, I'm not God, I can't give that kind of grace. And you may have to be patient with their grace, with their forgiveness, if they say they will forgive you. You may have to be patient with that. It comes with understanding, discerning when to start sharing your heart with the person you've hurt so so furiously. Now, as the offender, we usually have a more extreme form of brokenness in our intimacy than you do. So we don't share with you a lot of what's going on in our hearts or what's going on in our minds. But the stuff that's going on in our minds sometimes can be lies, it can be uh, deception, it can be little things. And this and this is not, like, like Dr. Block said, this is not the stuff that makes the news. It's just our, our thought patterns. We, we don't share our hearts with you. Because here's the deal. You, and I, this is not my intellectual property. I heard a woman say this on, on the radio. I'm not sure who it was. I wish I could remember. But she said that, uh, much like uh, Dr. Block said in, in my, what I said in episode 6 about the ant analogy, is that uh, in a marriage, you are either building your marriage or you are tearing it down. You have to decide that you're in love. I'm in love with my wife. I'm in love with God. If you're single, be in love with God. You have to say, I'm in love and I always will be. So I'm going to attach myself to these attitudes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fight this thing, to fight those negative attitudes, to be able to communicate with my God and my spouse, my love my parents it's never a thing that just sits there and it's done you know it's like a like a house us guys can be project oriented you know we marry you and then we go okay here's our marriage and there it is it sits right over there it's done no it isn't it's uh it's always in the process of building or being torn down it's always in a process of uh of, of growth or pulling pieces off of it now, us as the offenders, or the people who aren't communicating, and that could be the offender or the one offended, uh, that person's way of looking at, at that, tearing down, if I'm not communicating with my wife, for example, and she is, uh, I see her as tearing down my relationship with her because of the way she reacts to me just being me. And if I don't communicate that then I, it's, it's, it's a little tearing down. It's a pulling out one little piece, you know. And the, uh, the offender or, or the offended can do this. We're, we're pulling a little piece out. We're pulling a little piece here and there. If you're a dominant type, if you're using porn, or if your husband is using porn, and he's the guy who you're afraid to be, or you're afraid to even say, you know what, you better not do this anymore. If you're afraid of that guy because of what he might do, how he might react... That's a big problem. You need to have boundaries, especially around porn. You say, I am not going to accept this. If you're going to continue to do this, I'm going to leave. There's a lot of different personality types, and the people with kind of the lion personality, uh, they don't like being controlled. They, they like being the boss, and they don't like people telling them what to do. And usually, we marry the lion person. We are kind of uh, feel like we're in the being controlled or, or whatever. 
But it, it goes back to communication. If we feel like we're being controlled and we can't talk with you about stuff that's going through our mind that ultimately will reach our heart, that 18 inches below, which is what communication is, piece by piece, those little times we don't communicate, I'll give an example of those later, you know, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's taking pieces off of the relationship, the marriage. When we act out sexually, especially in an affair, and an infidelity. It's like taking a baseball bat and knocking down that house of blocks. It's just, bam! We've knocked all the blocks down, and rebuilding that is going to take a lot more work and a lot more effort. But James and Silly are a perfect example of how that can be done. And it, uh, James and Silly have also put their email on the website. If you go to digitalaudioproject.com, uh, you click on ASI, brings you to the ASI website, and you click on episodes on MP3. You go to the go to the Take a Bullet episode, and their email link is in there. You can email them directly if you want to get some uh, wisdom from some folks who have dealt with the aftermath of the bomb going off and have recovered from it the way they have. You can email them directly. So I want you guys to, to know that. And if you're in relationship with someone who is uh, addicted to porn or sex addict and you're trying to help them find why they do what they do, uh, you have to go about it in a way that is uh, non-threatening to their heart, I guess is the way I would say it. I have an example. I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, he enjoys... Uh, art and music like I do and looking for spiritual truths and music and he had a disagreement with his wife and uh, they, they talked about it and were working through it and he heard this song by uh, Dido White Flag it's a hit a few years ago he was talking about that song and how the song to him uh, he was communicating to her how the song is about never giving up on your relationship. I will never raise the white flag and say I, I give up. You know, I'll go down with the ship if I have to. And that's what the song kind of says. And he was sharing, sharing with her this, how he felt about it, you know. And she, uh, she said, well how come you don't share more stuff like that? You know, well, why don't you share stuff like that with me? You know, that was kind of her reaction. And he felt like, and he communicated to her, he said, uh, he said, well, I felt like I have before in the past, but you didn't like uh, the music I, I was listening to, you know, like it was a country band or bluegrass or whatever it was. He would say, I want you to hear this song. I, I want you to check this out. Tell me what you think. And, and she would just listen to, you know, a little bit of it. Say, ah, I don't like that kind of music, you know. I don't like that kind of country twangy kind of music, that bluegrassy kind of stuff. And he would just, no, oh, all right, you know. And he would just kind of shut down from her at that point. That was a little withdrawal. It was a little uh, thing that he said, well, you know, I'm just not going to share this with you anymore. Now, when it came to the White Flag song, there was a different component I believe that that was brought up there, and that was the the argument that they had before, or whatever they were working through. And he was talking about that song and how it's all about uh, I will not give up on our relationship. And he was expressing his heart in that. Now, was he expressing his heart when he was asking her to listen to the other music, the other uh, countryish, uh, bluegrassy kind of music? I don't know. Uh, maybe not or she probably would have listened to it I, I would almost guarantee that she would uh, be like if it was something to do with his heart and how he felt about a certain situation and, and he said you know I really want you to hear this she would probably want to hear that if, if, he, if he communicated it that way like he communicated the uh, white flag song and I just thought it was great that he was working through that that he figured that he identified that and said uh yeah, you know, it's that 18 inches from our minds, as guys especially, to our hearts. 
And that is, is when you folks who are with somebody who is struggling with, the, with this addiction or any other addiction or any other behavior or if you're griping and, and fighting, whatever it is, this is the, is the diffusing of the bomb. When you can work on these heart connection stuff because, you know, bottom line, you have to get down to those heart issues. And, and like Dr. Block said, that's the only thing worth fighting over. If you're going to get in a, an argument, get an argument over that. Totally understand and, and uh, identify with my friend's problem with that because here he was trying to say something about his heart in, in, a, in a song. You know, here's this song that, that expresses how I feel about something. And she, not knowing that that's what he was trying to communicate, would shoot him down and just say, well, you know, I just don't like that kind of music. Not knowing what he was really trying to communicate down underneath that. Being able to find those things that bring our heart connection together, that, that is intimacy. Because I can identify with him saying, uh, you know, I'm trying to, to express or, or share uh, an emotional thing and I'm being shut down. I, I feel I'm being uh, stepped on a little bit. And I don't think her intent was to do that. Why? Because she didn't understand what he was uh, trying to communicate. It's the whole understanding and discernment trying to know the other person and learn how to discern with them what they're actually trying to communicate. This is an example of many, many things. And like Dr. Block said, it's not the things that are on the headlines, you know, on the front page that, uh, that start our process of shutting down our hearts, our communication. Dr. Block talks about uh, keeping the heart in love. And it's all about communication. It's about not getting emotionally bogged down. Some of us, as the uh, the porn addicts, or even if you're not, even if you're married to someone with this this disorder, it may be because of, of all this emotional bogged down type of feeling. You just feel like you can't express who you really are. You can't talk about this stuff. Like my friend talking about the White Flag song. Now he's not a porn addict or a sex addict or anything like that, but at the same time like a lot of us guys uh, he feels that if he's not being able to express himself or talk about what's at a heart level going on in his life it drains our own energy. You know, our feelings are held back and they're bottled up and they're stuck in a box somewhere. And some of that stuff starts leaking out. Starts leaking out into other behaviors. Usually negative behaviors. Usually hiding things from your spouse kind of behaviors. We have less energy to put into our relationship with you because we don't feel like we can discuss it, like we can talk about it. And, and for us guys especially, it, this can be very difficult. It can be very emotionally draining unless we decide to release that, that pressure valve, which is talking about stuff. It's not the sexual gas tank. It's not, oh, I have to have my orgasm now. No. We are taught that by society because society tells us that we have to have that release, but it's just not true. What we do have to have a release of is our emotional energy, our heart, being able to talk about it. That is really emotional nourishment. That's how we get able to kick this thing. Because there's energy that comes from being emotionally nourished. That being in love with someone who understands who you really are. There's the dopamine that's released from that. That takes away from that sexual acting out. That takes away from those behaviors. But you have to make a decision to get in the ring and fight this thing. Fighting our own reactions. His fighting the, the need to say... Well, you just don't like my kind of music. She doesn't like my kind of music. I'm not going to share this with her. Uh, instead of that, thinking, you know, I want to share this with her because it means something to me on a heart level. And I want to communicate that to her. Um, her hearing him passionately talk about the white flag song and what that means to his heart, her reaction is, uh, it might be, well, how come you don't share that kind of stuff with me? 
or e- even using words like never. You never share that kind of stuff with me, which is not always true. Ne- never and always shouldn't be brought up in an argument. I think a lot of us know that, but we kind of do it anyway. Instead of saying that, say, I want more of that from you. I want more of that sharing your heart level stuff with me. See, they both want the same thing on a heart level. But their fight of communication is to be able to express that to each other, to emotionally nourish each other, to fall in love all over again with the little things. And that's what it's about. It's about the little things, folks, more than the big things. You have a spirit. It's that spirit that will conquer the flesh if you choose to take up your sword and fight. Fight that battle. But continuing with the bomb going off series, I want to encourage you, and I want to go back to basics a little bit in this show, because like I talked about in the intro on the title of the uh, Take a Bullet I asked has the bomb gone off or do you have a bomb ticking now whether you're married or single you need to realize that if you don't have this thing under control you are a ticking bomb you're going to fall in love with someone and if you think that just because that you know you're in love with someone, you know that might work for a while. You get those uh, what I call those cushy, soft, lovey puppy dogs and ice cream feelings, you know, and that might carry you through a little ways. But that's not love. That is infatuation. You know, love is making a commitment to a person, and, and you know, I, I love you, no matter what you do. I'm going to love you. I may have to put distance between you and me, but I, I, I still love you. You have to make the choice to to do that, to, to realize that love is a commitment. It's not a, a cushy bunch of feelings. So, having said that, I am trying to prepare you for the future. Because all we have is right now. You're listening to my voice. This is the present. This is now. This is what you're doing in this moment. And the choices you make now will affect your life, your future. So, the sexual compulsive behavior that maybe you are engaged in or someone you love is is engaged in. Understand that the way we heal is through communication. I'm not going to beat the crap out of anybody. I'm not going to sit here and say you're an evil, wicked, awful person because the fact that you're reaching out to me shows that you are taking steps towards killing your monster, towards getting rid of your red lizard, towards sticking the wooden stake in the vampire. That is the process that you are going through if you have emailed me or if you're listening to my voice now. And for that, my hat's off to you. My next challenge for you is that you never give up. Never give up. Are you hearing me? Alright? Make that commitment. Say it with me. Russ, I'm not going to give up. Good. And pray about it. Because here's the deal. You have to choose to fight this fight. You have to choose to walk out of the cold. Jesus is at the door. He's going to open the door. You know? And let you in. To the warmth. But it's a process. And it's going to take commitment. So that's the commitment I want from you as my listener. 
is to say, Russ, I'm not going to give up. I don't understand where I'm at right now because I have this this vampire that uh, uh, when I become the vampire, I, I like that a little bit. I, I, you know, my flesh loves this stuff. And that's where I'm at right now, but I'm not going to give up trying to kill that person. I want to understand why my, my flesh loves this stuff so much and why I don't feel fulfilled as a person, as a Christian, why, why I'm at where I'm at right now. But I'm not going to give up. You know, just keep that talk going. Wherever you're at. I don't know where you're at. If that's where you're at, uh, I've got emails from listeners who are saying that. Who are saying, how do I fight when I want to lose? <laughs> you know? I want to fight, but I want to lose. It's that, man, it's that two-dog battle. The diffusing the bomb before it goes off. You know, if you're single, if you're married, uh, maybe you haven't met that person yet. Maybe you haven't had that affair yet. Maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe you have somebody at work who's really uh, talking to you. Maybe, you know, you're having this emotional thing going on and you're able to talk with this person about stuff that you can't talk about with your husband or wife. Or your parents, if you're a teen, and and you know that that relationship is where it's going to go where it can go. You've got red lights coming up. You've got the caution signal, the blinking yellow light coming up in your mind, and you recognize that and say, but you, you still follow it, you know. And why is that? You have to ask yourself those questions. Where am I at? Who am I, first of all? And where am I at? I don't want to do it, but I want to do it. Why is that? That is part of your battle. That is part of your picking up the sword. You pick up the sword and you decide to fight. Ask yourself, why am I doing something that's going to make me feel like crap later? Or, if you're struggling with it, why should I feel like crap about it when it makes me feel good? Maybe that's where you're at. What questions are you asking when you've told yourself you want to stop? I want to stop. You've prayed about it. God, I want to stop this. I want to stop it. But you turn back to it. Asking those questions, why do I do that, is powerful. We carry each other's burdens. And being able to bring that up and ask those questions with somebody is important. But that's a step maybe you haven't taken because you don't understand the battle. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just you're, you're still struggling with the fact that, you know, you want to do it. You know, my flesh loves this stuff. I like doing it. But then you start working on your spiritual relationship with God and you know that you have this thing in the back of your mind that's, that's not right and you're going, you know, I, I don't feel good about that. I need to work on that. So if you're listening to this, realize that there is a bomb ticking. And you can do something to defuse that. You can defuse the bomb before it goes off. Or before it goes off again. If you've been forced to listen to this show because somebody's given you this and says, you need to listen to this guy. You need to know where he's coming from. And you have problems with what I'm saying or you are getting defensive or you're feeling like you're being ganged up on or there's some kind of an intervention going on. The person who's given you this and you're listening to my voice, if you're that person, they love you, first of all. And that's why they're giving you this this disc or this message. And if you're a porn addict and you think that there's nothing wrong with that and, and it, everything should be okay and my spouse should just not have a problem with it because this is just what guys do. If you're taking that attitude, I challenge you to, to have the courage to email me Because if somebody loves you enough to give you this audio file you're listening to now, you probably have a problem, more than likely. Uh, I think you should do a self-analyzation. And if you have a problem with that, then take me on. Email me. There are so many stories of guys who uh, told themselves they were going to stop, and then they justified turning back to it, you know, like I did a bunch of times. 
I always tried to stop, but then I would come back to it and, you know, try and justify it. And your spirit is stronger than your flesh. Ever get filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? You're, you're in church, you're worshiping, and you can just feel that energy welling up inside you, you know, in a worship moment. Have we ever, have you ever had that? I have. Have you ever had that? you ever felt that? That Holy Ghost energy, Holy Spirit inside you? Use that. Use that to fight your enemy. You want to do a worship uh, experience? You grab a hold of that energy and you get back up. You get back up and fight. When you're alone, your family's out of the house, your wife's gone out for dinner, your your parents aren't uh, went out to dinner, they're not in the house at the time, and you're alone with your enemy, starts calling your name, fight it. Get up and fight. Change your thought process. Change your thought patterns. I know it keeps pulling you back in those times when you're alone. You feel like you're in the boxing ring. You make the decision to fight. Get a movie. You might have seen it before. See it again. It's called Cinderella Man. It's a great movie about a guy, a true story about a guy back in the uh, Great Depression late 20s, early 30s. This guy was a fighter. Had a bunch of losses. Broke his hand. He was it was he was poor. The guy was living in a, a shack of an apartment with his uh, family of four or five. But uh, this guy just never gave up. He kept fighting. He kept on fighting. He kept on getting in the ring and fighting. Shutting off his electricity. He kept on in the fight. Wanted to send his kids away. One of them was sick and they had no heat. And he kept on fighting. Union guys in the docks were... wanting him to work when he could. And he, he kept working and he kept fighting. He went on state assistance for a little while. Just... You could see the agony in him. Uh, you know, he was talking about praying about it and being all prayed out. I remember just having that attitude with God, being hopeless feeling. He went through that, but he got back up and he kept on fighting. He fought a guy for the heavyweight title of uh, of the world, I guess, in New York back in 1935. James Broderick fought uh, a guy named Max Bear, I believe his last name was. The guy was uh, much younger than him, much stronger than him. James Braddock was uh, almost 40. Went round after round after round with this guy, and he kept on fighting. This guy was strong. He'd killed a couple people in the ring. Braddock kept on fighting. Ten to one odds against him. But he kept on fighting. He was up against the ropes. Wanting to give in, wanting to throw in the towel, but he kept fighting. He threw, think about it, thinking about his kids. He started thinking about his kids and how he had to win this fight. To keep them out of poverty, he had to win this fight. Keep him out of the soup lines. Keep uh, the heat in his apartment. Had to win this fight. Those images started flashing through his mind. And he threw a blow at his enemy and knocked him down. After a career of losing and losing and, and then winning, he lost some battles. When it came right down to it, when he really focused all his energy, all his spiritual energy, he got back up and he kept on fighting. And whether your sin is the striking out anger towards the one you love who has hurt you in this way, 
you just want to hurt them. You, you fell at one time you were passionately in love with them but because of the emotional termites and because we kept withdrawing and this affair happened or the pornography happened. You are having a hard time forgiving that. You can't let go of the anger. You want to strike that person. You have to fight that. You have to fight that monster that makes you want to strike out at the other person. Get that book, Take a Bullet, if you're having a struggle with this. I think that you can separate from someone, but make it a healthy separation. James has a whole chapter on how to separate and make it healthy. There still needs to be boundaries, but you don't tell that person you hate them. You don't tell that person you don't love them. You don't tell that person hurtful, heart-level things that is murdering their heart. That is wounding their heart. They've hurt you, and they they uh, more than likely, in most cases, they are very, very sorry. If they're still with you, they still want to repair the relationship, then they are want they love you. If they say they love you, they love you. Because they behave this way is something broken in them. And they have their own monster. They have their own opponent they're fighting, their own sin they're fighting. But if your sin is that striking anger, you see them and you see red, you have to fight that opponent. You hear James and Celia or my wife in the last episode talking about grace and you just think, I can't do that. You can do that. You just got to get up and fight. You got to get up and fight this thing. Never raise the white flag. Don't give in. When you want to share that thing, that thing that touched your heart, maybe that song that touched your heart, maybe that thing that happened today that you know you were excited about. When your spouse wants to share that thing that they're that they're excited about, or that they liked, or that touched their heart in some way, or they just want to talk. Us guys, sometimes we we think our wives are, are bringing up their problems and we're supposed to fix them. No, they just want us to listen. Sometimes we just need to be able to talk with our, our wives and, and let them listen to what's going on in our heads. That's what they crave. That's what they hunger. That's what they want. That, that's the note I wrote in counseling for the first time when I started cracking open my heart is that my wife wants my heart. She wants me to share stuff with her. Little stuff like that. When you feel those feelings of, maybe I better not share this, you fight it. You get in the ring. Are they going to say something negative? Maybe. It's going to feel like a blow towards you, maybe. But you keep communicating it, and you keep bringing it up, and you keep saying, this is how I feel about this. This is what happened that made me happy today, that made me excited. This is what happened today that hurt me deeply. Somebody said something, and it was really embarrassing, right in front of all the other guys. How much of that stuff do we not share with our wives, guys? Ladies, how much of that stuff do you not share with your husband? It takes courage to get in the ring takes courage to bring that stuff out in the open and say, here's my heart, please don't smash it or poke it with a stick. It takes courage. But you, you fight. You get up and fight. You keep on fighting. And when something happens, when you start taking on your enemy, when you start, especially after some of these intimacy things, it might get worse before it gets better. Let me tell you, you have an opponent, and he wants to knock you out. And weird little things might happen. You might start getting in fights. You might start getting in arguments because you're starting to share the stuff that's going through your heart. You, you start talking mind to mind and try and bring that down, that 18 inches from heart to heart. When you do that... It's going to be a fight. It's going to be. There's going to be some battles, sometimes, some battles within your own self. Romans twelve two. You present your body a living sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice for the love of your life. Teens, you too, with your parents. Well, you don't know my parents, Russ. You know, but you don't know my parents. I didn't have that relationship because I didn't try. That is an act of worship. You want to worship God? Do that. Be a living sacrifice. Renew your mind. Change those thought patterns. Love your God with all your heart, mind, and strength.
You want to worship God? Be strong enough to find out who you are and start to use those talents that He gave you for His will, not yours. Remember, you've been bought for a price. You can't score brownie points with God. You can't earn your way to heaven. You fight this battle through the love that we can't even fathom how furiously God loves us. Ephesians 20. He's got good works for you to do. That's why you fight this fight. You fight it. Once you start to learn who you are, you start to find out where your heart's coming from, and you say, this is where my heart is. And have the courage to do that. Whether you're in a group, in a discussion with your wife, your parents, you say, no, that is not where my heart is. This is where my heart is. Write it down on a piece of paper if you have to. I'm trying to share something with you about my heart. It's not about a taste in music. It's about me trying to share my heart. And maybe I don't know how to do that. You keep on working at it. You keep on fighting that sin of rejection and withdrawal, resentment. You fight that. Don't resent the other person. Keep on talking about it until you find out where your heart is. Because in those moments you start to find out who you really are in your core, most innermost part. So next time you feel like giving up, giving up trying to communicate, giving up trying to talk to your wife, your husband, your folks, your parents, giving up on... Next time you think this battle, this monster has looming over you when you're alone and you can't seem to fight it. Next time you feel like giving up. Next time you feel like throwing in the towel. Remember this story. This is uh, Reverend Herb Lusk uh, at a church over on the East Coast. Philadelphia, I believe. This is from Focus on the Family. He tells a story way better than I could. This is a, a story about a similar fight at the about, about the same time as the Brodick uh, Cinderella Man story. Here you go. Reverend Herb Lusk. I was reading a book and, and, and I discovered that, that years ago there was a great prize fighter by the name of, of John L. Sullivan. At that point, he was the best heavyweight champion in the world. And he went up against a fellow who was a pepsqueak. They gave him a thousand to one chance to beat John L. Sullivan. That man went in the ring with John L. Sullivan, and John L. Sullivan hit him the first time so hard his whole body shook. He went over to the, his corner, and his trainer asked him, how you doing? He says, I'm, I'm doing all right. He says, the first shot he hit me with, I could feel it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But I said to myself, if I could just go one more round. And then he came out the next round. And when he came out the next round, Tony, uh, 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 John L. Sullivan hit him so hard that he lifted him up off the turf. And he came down, fell on his back. Saved by the bell, they drug him over to his corner again. And the trainer said, you want me to throw in the towel? He said, no. Let me see, can I do it one more round? And he came back out the next round. And when he came out that time, John L. Sullivan hit him so that he cut his eyes. And his eyes were so filled with puff that he could not see. Went back over to the corner. They took razor blades and slid his eyes so he could see. And, and the trainer said, do you want me to throw in the towel? He said, no, no, no. Just, just, just one more round. It was the longest prize fight in history at that time. He went back out again the next round and got knocked down three times. And guess what he said? He came out the 20th fight, the 20th round, came out bludgeoned, standing, trying to cover himself. And guess what he said? 25 rounds of fighting. Over and over again, he said to himself, bloody and bludgeoned, but eyes puffed, but too tired to stand, but and that last round, he came out and hit him and knocked John L. Sullivan out. Listen to me, church. We have a John L. Sullivan in our midst. 
And his name is the devil. But he's a liar and the truth is not in him. And I say to you, when he hits you, I want you to say just just one more round. That's all I want. Just one more round. Just let me stand one more time. Just give me the strength to make it one more time. One more round. That's what I want. One more round. You're going through it right now. Focus on the family. They've been hitting you and they've been bludgeoning you for years. And I want you to just say with me, one more round. One more round. You think it's too tough? You're going to go one more round. You're afraid to bring up that thing in front of your wife? Afraid to talk about something? One more round. Do it. Connect. Face your opponent. Face your urges. Remember there's no sexual gas tank. It's a myth. Something the monster uses to keep you down. You fight that. Russ at digitalaudioproject.com. Thanks for listening. The website's at digitalaudioproject.com. Till next week, one more round. Never give up. Never raise the white flag. This is Russ, your host. Till next week. Bye.